Well, what I want to say is um, we are blessed to have a pastor, Paul and Kim, to be pastors of this church. Amen. We are truly blessed. I appreciate his passion, his burden, his vision, his community vision, and uh, the heart that he has for God and his people. And God's going to bless this church with his leadership. And you're going to see God work. He's working now. He is working now. And people are worshiping and honoring him and serving him. And God honors that. He really does. I uh, was thinking about the song we just um, sang. And it talked about he's always working. God is always working. You know, whatever that problem is that's bothering you, he's working on it right now. That lost loved one that you're praying for, he's working on it right now. That financial need that you have, he's working on it right now. That wayward child, he's working on it right now. Those grandchildren that you're praying for, he's working on it right now. There's a new contemporary song that says he's rolling up his sleeves right now. Hallelujah. I believe that. We always just need to believe that what we see is not all the reality because there's things going on in the heavenlies where the prayers of the saints are warring against the powers of darkness, and we're going to win. We're going to win. I'm going to talk to you about something today. Um, do you like to be lied to? To be deceived by somebody, to lie, it just cuts us. We don't like that. Well, we've got an enemy that majors in it. The Bible doesn't say that he just lies. The Bible says he's a liar and the father of lies. So I want to talk with you today about accusation or conviction and how we distinguish between the two in our walk with God. If you want to stand with me, we'll reverence God's Word together with looking at Revelations um, 12 and verse 10. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters, that's you and me, who accused them before our God day and night has been hurled down. Now this passage is telling us of a future 
demise of the lies of Satan. And he will no longer be able to lie to people any longer. But right now, he's very active. Right now, he's very active. Father, take your word and apply it to our lives. Let us listen to your truth and stand on it and believe it that we may confront the lies and the accusations of the devil. In Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. 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 I would say that next to temptation, accusation is one of the favorite tools of the devil against people. You see, in our relationship with Christ, God sees us as good. God sees us as important. But if we listen to the devil in his accusations, his lies, we'll think we are of little value to God. We'll think that we are of little value to other people. You see, he will tell us when we slip up spiritually... You've made a mess of things, and you just might as well give up. He will tell us, you're a pitiful excuse for a Christian. He will say to us, how can you, being a Christian, do such a thing as what you've done? You see, the devil wants you to give up. He wants you to throw in the towel, and he becomes the you become the defeater, and he becomes the victor. So you must, you must continually understand his job is to discourage you. His job is to defeat you and to keep you bitten, beaten down so that you won't be effective in the kingdom of God. He keeps robbing you of your daily victory. See, daily victory is not what he wants in your life. He wants you to be up and down in and out, cold and hot, but you can be consistent in your daily walk with God. You can have a daily confidence in who you are in your identity with Christ. You see, the good news is even though that the devil will speak his lies towards us, we don't have to listen to those lies. We don't have to buy into them and, and accept them as true. I want to go into the Old Testament and look at Zechariah, the third chapter. And here we find a unique look into heavens and see what goes on with the accusations of Satan against a man, a high priest of Israel, and his name is Joshua. Verse 1 through 3 says, Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan, standing at his right side to accuse him. The Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord rebuke you. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Now, what I find here is like a courtroom scene. Here we find that the judge is God the Father. 
The prosecuting attorney is Satan. The defense attorney is Jesus. The accused defendant is Joshua, a high priest. Now, we've got to understand that this setting, possibly if it took place in reality, this is a vision, but if it took place in reality, then it would be that this high priest was going to possibly go into the holies of holies. And you cannot enter into the holies of holies without being purified and cleansed and made sure that you are right with God. Because if you go into the holies of holies and you are not right with God, you will be struck dead. So, If this is happening before he goes in to serve, he's a man like you and me, and there's possibly sins in his life, that, and before he goes in, he will confess his sins. But Satan is now accusing him. But if he goes into that holies of holies, he will have a garment on with bells. Those bells are to let everybody that would be in ears distance would be able to hear those bells and it would say to them, he's still alive. But if those bells stopped ringing on his garment, then he would have been struck down and there was a rope that was tied around his leg where he could be dragged out of the holies of holies because no one else could enter in to pull him out. So here is Joshua, a high priest, and the Lord is rebuking Satan, and he is saying to him, this is a man, a burning stick, snatched from the fire. I don't know about you, but that describes who I am. I'm a burning stick, snatched from the fires of hell. And when Satan accuses me, I can stand with confidence if the Lord is standing beside me rebuking the devil and say, no, he's mine. I snatched him out of the fire. Anybody happy about that? He snatched me out of the fire. I will not listen to the rebuke of Satan on me. But God rebukes Satan. And when he rebukes Satan, he is saying to him, I'm the judge and you're not. You see, what we have to understand, there's clarification here that as we stand before God, if Satan accuses us, that's all he is. He is just the accuser. But let me give you a hope. The judge is God Almighty. He doesn't make a mistake, and he will judge you justly. You see, that is where our confidence is, as we walk in our daily victory in Christ. Our confidence is in our relationship with Jesus Christ. He has justified us as though we have never sinned. Now, that's an amazing truth from Scripture, but it is exactly that. It is a truth. The Word of God says we stand justified before God. A Scripture in Jude says We will be blameless as we stand before God. Thank God for grace and mercy 
and God's justice. Romans 8, verse 33 and 34. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? Who is he that condemns Christ Jesus who died? More than that, who was raised to life at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Did you hear that? Jesus Christ, the one who's made us righteous, is standing beside God the Father, and he's interceding for us. When you got up this morning, you should have been happy because Jesus is praying for you. When you go to bed tonight, you need to be happy because Jesus is praying for you. We don't have to worry about if somebody's praying for us. There's one who's named Jesus who's interceding for us. And he declares that we are righteous before the Lord. You see, God has declared us righteous. And we need to say to Satan, Satan, no matter what lie you tell against me, no matter what people you put in their mouth to speak against me, I believe the truth and not the lies of anyone else. Only the, the truth of God. Now let's go back to Zechariah. Zechariah verse 4 and 5. The angel said to those who were standing before him, Take off his filthy clothes. Then he said to Joshua, See, I have taken away your sin, and I will put rich garments on you. Now, as I said, this priest is human like we are. He had sin in his life. But for him to be able to enter the holies of holies, that sin had to be dealt with. And so here we find that he is, he is saying to Joshua, I have taken off your filthy garments, and I have put on you rich garments, which is his righteousness, and you're able to stand before me justified and whole before me. I don't know about you, but that excites me because I put myself in that story, and I, I am Joshua, and I have experienced the taking away of filthy garments. I've experienced the rich garments of righteousness put on me, and I'm standing before God, and he is saying, I am all right in his sight. So the question is, are we going to listen to the truth of God, or are we going to listen to the accusations of the devil, which is a lie? Zechariah goes on. Verse 7, this, what the Lord Almighty, Lord God Almighty says, if you will walk in my ways and keep my requirements, then you will govern my house and have charge of my courts. And I will give you a place among those standing here. Did you hear that? Now, what is verse 7 saying? God's already declared him righteous. 
He's already declared the accusations against him from Satan is a lie. So now he is saying, because of your relationship with me, if you'll walk daily in that righteousness, did you catch that? If you will walk daily in that righteousness, then I will put you in charge of my courts. I will let you govern in my house. I will give you a place here in my presence where you can stand before me without guilt. Now, I don't know about you. I want that in my life. I want that because what he is telling me is that my daily victory is dependent on what I do. Did you hear it? If you will walk in my ways and keep my requirements, if you will walk in my ways and keep my requirements, that's conditional. If, if daily victory is dependent on what you do day by day. And if you will walk in daily victory, you will be confident. You see, one of the problems I have had as a pastor and what I've seen in many Christians is that they don't walk in daily victory. They don't walk in confidence. They are insecure. So many Christians that I know are insecure. They're so insecure that they don't even trust themselves and their relationship with God. They're not walking in the confidence of what they really should know in their daily walk. And as long as you're not confident, the devil's going to have a heyday with your walk with God. And he will keep you confused and frustrated. But if you've got confidence in your relationship with God, you can have spiritual authority in your life. You will be given assignments in the kingdom of God, and you will be able to make a difference in the kingdom. You see, that's why he wants you to feel unworthy and worthless so that you can't do anything. If you don't feel right with God, if you don't feel secure with God, you're not going to want to... Put yourself out there because you're going to be afraid you're going to be a failure. But you're not a failure if you're in a right relationship with God. God's given you his right to have spiritual authority if you walk in his ways and meet his requirements. He is saying to you, you have a right to do the things in my kingdom if you are confident in your walk. So what I'm saying is there is too many Christians needing to be confident in their relationship with God. And why do they not have that confidence? They don't stand on his word every day. They don't read his word every day. They don't pray every day. They don't witness. They don't minister. You see, if you get involved in something and you know for sure what you're doing, then you are going to be more confident as you do your work for Christ. He will give you the power you need to be what you need to do. He will give you what you need if you walk in his ways and meet his requirements. So what is he calling for? He is calling 
if we'll have daily victory through obedience to his word, then we will stand before God with confidence and we'll stand before Satan with confidence and we will not fear the lies of the devil, but we will stand on the truth of God. You see, what we have to realize, our daily walk with God is crucifying the flesh. Our daily walk with God is being led by the Spirit. Our daily walk with God is renewing ourselves daily in the presence of God. It is taking every thought that comes into our mind and making it obedient to Christ and not allowing anything or anyone influence our thinking except God. The result will be we'll perform ministry and service with confidence. When's the last time you've served in confidence? When is the last time you were secure in confidence in ministry? You see, if we go around being a Barney Fife, anybody know who that is? If anybody, if we go around being a Barney Fife who's unsure of himself, we can be an Andy Griffith who's confident, who knows how stupid Barney is. You see, we can be strong in the Lord. We can be mighty in his power. We can be effective in his kingdom. Think too many Christians don't think they can be effective. They don't feel like they can make a difference, so they sit on the pew and do nothing. What are you doing for the kingdom? Why aren't you doing it? There are people wanting you to step up. Pastor, leaders saying, we need you, we need you. We can be more effective in the kingdom of God. If you'll rise up, what keeps you on the seat instead of out in the battle? It's because the Satan has lied and defeated you rather than standing on the truth of God. You see, we must distinguish the accusations of the devil and the convictions of the Holy Spirit. Paul gives an example of that in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 8 through 10. Even if I caused you sorrow by my letter, I do not regret it, yet now I'm happy, not because you were made sorry, but because your sorrow led you to repentance, for you became sorrowful as God intended, and so were not harmed in any way by us. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation. And leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. Now what is happening here is an understanding of this passage. We have to go back to 1 Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians, the church has been passive over the sin of a person in the church. He has committed adultery with his stepmother. Paul says this is not even something they do in the heathens. 
but you are winking at it as a church. You're ignoring it. You're overlooking it. In fact, what you're doing is condoning his behavior. He doesn't understand that he's wrong because you're not correcting him. So Paul writes the letter in Corinthians and tells him, you need to discipline this man so that he can understand his standing before God. And in that discipline, if he will not repent, you turn him over to Satan. Why do you turn him over to Satan? So that he realizes what he's done. That he realizes he's sinned a sin against God. So what we find in 2 Corinthians is that the church in the letter has repented. They repented because they did not discipline the man. And the man, because they did discipline him, repented himself and had been brought back into the church. So Paul is now saying the sorrow that came was to bring you to repentance. This was as God had intended to do. You see, when the Holy Spirit is bringing conviction, that sorrow is God intended. Godly sorrow leads to repentance. You see, if we do not repent, if this man had not repented, he would have been cast over to Satan and would have been lost eternally. But we we must understand there's a difference between the conviction of the Holy Spirit and the accusations of the devil. The accusations of the devil, what are they like? When you feel like your sorrow, you see the the, the thing that is good for us to note here is that the sorrow of repentance and the work of the Holy Spirit is a sorrow. The sorrow of the accusations of Satan is a sorrow. So how do we know the difference? When the sorrow brings uh, degrading you, discouraging you, putting you down, making you feel inadequate, making you feel worthless, that's the accusation of the devil. God's not going to stand there and pound you into the ground. But Satan will do it every time. But you see, the feelings of remorse that comes from the Holy Spirit will lead us to God where the accusations of Satan will take us from God. And when we see this war going on, when we feel remorse and we're being pounded into the ground by the devil with his accusations, then we know that there's somebody over on the sideline cheering us on and saying, you can make it. I'll forgive you. I'll love you. I'll keep you in the race. All you've got to do is come to me and repent. And if you'll repent, I'll keep you in the race. I told a group the other day, if you're ever going to make it to heaven, you're going to have to cross a bridge, many bridges. I gave an example If you're going from here to uh, Nashville, you're going to cross a lot of bridges to get there. If you're going to go to Asheville, you're going to cross a lot of bridges to get there. And I want to tell you what the bridge is to get to heaven. 
is confession and forgiveness. Confession and forgiveness. Confession and forgiveness. If you're ever going to get to heaven, you're going to have to walk across that bridge time and time again. It's not a one-time saved and everything's okay. You're going to need to walk up right before God. And when you do something that's not right, you need to ask for repentance just like 1 John 1 and 9. Look at it. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive. (laughs) Did you see that? If we confess our sins, he's talking about Christians. He said, he is faithful. God is faithful. God is just. God will forgive. So here's what's going to happen. When Satan accuses you, He's going to say, you better not pray. You're not worthy to pray. You're not worthy to ask for forgiveness. Oh, I wouldn't dare if I was you to go before the throne. You've humiliated yourself before your God. He'll he'll try to keep you from confessing. He'll try to get you to put off your confession. Well, you're not worthy to come right now. You better wait to Sunday. Or, or you better wait on down the, down the road. And you know what he's doing? He's building up condemnation all of the way. Condemnation is building up. More and more, the longer you put it off, the longer you put it off, the harder he makes for you to confess. So he said, if we will confess our sins, If we will confess our sins, he's faithful, he's just, he will forgive. Praise God. And he will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. See, I want to see us an example of two disciples of Jesus. One bought into the accusations of the devil and the other was led to repentance. The two people are Judas Iscariot and Simon Peter. Simon Peter is told, you're going to deny me three times before the cock crows. Not me, Lord. I'll go with you all the way to death. But you're going to deny me three times, Peter. But I have prayed for you that you will recover from this sin and you will restore your brethren. Now, Peter, when he did what Jesus said was going to happen, he went out and wept bitterly. He was remorseful. And it led to him to repent. But Judas Iscariot, betraying the Lord for 30 pieces of silver, goes back in and throws the coins at the feet of the leaders. And then he's beat down by Satan. Can't you hear Satan just beating him into the ground over what he did? And I can see that Satan is driving him with the accusations of what he's done, and it leads to his death, a suicide. These are two examples 
Satan's accusation led to death. Peter's repentance led to life. And when Jesus was resurrected, he said, Go tell my disciples and Peter. Why did he tell them to tell Peter? He wanted Peter to know he's forgiven. He's forgiven. <laughs> Hallelujah. I know that you're remorseful. I know you've asked for forgiveness, and I forgive you. You see, those are the differences. Those are the differences between the accusations of Satan and conviction of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says in Revelations, it says that Satan is before God day and night accusing the brethren. Day and night. Hebrews 7, 25 is important for us to remember this morning. Hebrews 7, 25, he is able to save forever those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. Just as Jesus said, I'm praying for Peter, this scripture says, he ever lives to make intercession for Hugh McGarry. He ever lives to make intercession for Paul Dyer. Billy Fincham, put your name in there. He lives to make intercession. And that intercession is for you not to buy into the lies of the devil, but to stand on the truth of God. You see, there's a contemporary song that says something like this. I keep fighting voices in my mind that say I'm not enough. Every single lie that tells me I will never measure up. It goes on to say, the only thing that matters now is everything you think of me. In you I find my worth. In you I find my identity. <laughs> And I believe. Oh, I believe. What you think of me, I believe. What you think of me, I believe. I want you to say that with me. What you think of me, I believe. Say it again. What you think of me, I believe. One more time. What you think of me, I believe. Can somebody praise him? Somebody worship him. Somebody give him glory. When, the, when Satan says you're worthless, you tell him Christ died for me. When he says to you that you're inadequate, you tell him, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. When he says you're guilty, you tell him there is no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Woo! Hallelujah! When you know the truth, you can... Stand on the truth, and you can speak the truth, and you can live out the truth. 
And the devil cannot stop you. So be confident in your influence for the kingdom of God because the king, the king has declared you're righteous. And because you're righteous, you have spiritual authority. Because you're righteous, you have access into his presence. And in your confidence, you can be bold in the Holy Spirit. Would you stand with me? I want to ask a question that only you can answer. How confident are you in your daily walk with God? Do you continue to listen to the accusations of the devil till it beats you down that you don't feel worthy or adequate to make a difference in the kingdom? Then you need to make a choice today. You need to make a decision today. I'm going to not believe the lie of Satan. I'm going to believe the truth of God. And I'm going to believe I can be somebody and do something for the kingdom of God. Do not be insecure in your relationship with God. Be confident. Be bold. Because then you can make a difference. You see, the reason we're in the mess we are right now and in America is because the church has become so weak. It has been so weak that we're on a vent machine, barely making it when we ought to be a giant rising up in the power of the Holy Spirit. And we can be that on our knees and we can be that in our ministry. Whatever you're doing right now in ministry, you put boldness on because you've got righteousness on. And you don't doubt your relationship with God. You don't struggle over it anymore because if you will just declare who you are, knowing who you are, then you'll be effective. So I'm going to ask you this morning, that if you're struggling with the accusations of Satan and it is keeping you back from doing what you know God's leading you to do, I'm going to ask you to step out this morning and with a first step of boldness, say, I am going to stand on the truth. I am going to believe who I am. I am going to believe. Would you come? Right now. Right now, it's okay. If you're the first one, it's all right. If you're the first one, it's all right. There'll be others that'll follow. Come on. Be confident. I keep fighting voices in my mind that says I'm not enough. Every single lie that tells me I'll never measure up. The only thing that matters now everything you think of me in you I find my worth 
In you I find my identity. Oh, I believe. Oh, I believe. What you think of me, I believe. For those who are coming, someone be there for them right now. There are others to come. I know that. I know that. Come. There are others to come. Come on. I feel that draw of the Holy Spirit. I feel that draw. I feel that draw of the Holy Spirit. Come on. Let God use you. Let God use you. Let you meet your potential in Christ. That's what I'm calling for. To meet your potential in Christ. shared in Zechariah the Lord had to speak to Zechariah and he said in verse 6 he said not by might nor by power but by my spirit says the Lord then I want you to hear this he goes on and says who are you great mountain before Zerubbabel that you shall not be made plain This morning, the enemy's accusations are plentiful. But you are not alone. It's not by your own abilities. It's not by your own power, your own might. But this is what the Lord says. But by my spirit, says the Lord. Whatever mountain, whatever accusation may seem like a mountain, this morning, the Lord can bring it low. The Lord can make it plain. It might seem insurmountable, but today the Lord is able to make it something that you can walk through and over. Amen? Come on, if you feel overwhelmed today, if you feel like, I'm not sure if I can make it, I'm not sure, I'm, I'm feeling condemned, I feel overwhelmed, I feel like I'm not sure if I can make it through this struggle, I'm here today to declare that whatever mountain you're facing, whatever mountain that seems so overwhelming today, the Lord says, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord, let the mountain be made low in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you just, if you feel led or able, would you just touch the person right beside you, put your hand on their shoulder. Can we agree together? Because you know what? Every single one of us, whether we like to admit it or not, every one of us has a hurt, a habit, or a hang-up. We have some type of struggle that that we're dealing with, but there's no mountain too big or too small that God's not able to touch, that He's not able to to mend and heal. Father, I pray, God, as we touch our neighbor right now, as as we agree together, Lord, that your hand of mercy will touch, that your strength, God, will rise up in them, Lord. Lord, that the Spirit of God, Lord, will anoint them and give them 
your power, your anointing, God, to be able to walk over every trial, every struggle, every circumstance, every situation that they're facing today. God, I pray, God, that as we, as the brothers and sisters of Christ, Lord, will bear one another's burden and so fulfill the law of Christ that we will together encourage one another, pray for one another, believe for one another, God, and see the hand of God, your hand, move in our lives. God, I thank you, Jesus, that you're at work even right now. I thank you, God, that your mercy is made new every morning, that the grace of God, Lord, is sufficient for all of my trials and all of my struggles. I thank you, Jesus, for this message today that has brought us an eye-opening understanding that the enemy desires to condemn. But your word declares there is no condemnation for those who are in you. And Lord, if there is condemnation, it is because we have believed the lie and not the truth. God, may we rest. May we find peace. May we find comfort in your strength and in who you are. And what you declare over us in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Can you look to somebody and say, we're together in this. We're together in this. I'm believing for you. Amen. Thank you, Brother McGarry, for such a wonderful, timely word this morning. Wasn't that good? Come on. Amen. Amen. Tonight we're having a business meeting. Um, our church likes for everyone to be informed. We don't want anybody to wonder, hey, where's the money go? We have a business meeting tonight. Everyone is welcome to attend. Um, we will be voting on a couple of council members. And those who are regular attenders, tithe payers, you're welcome to be a part of that uh, decision-making process. But we want you to know that we, we care enough that we want you to be informed, that we want you to be aware of what's going on, and we love you. Amen. God bless you guys. Look forward to seeing you tonight at 6 o'clock if you would like to come to that meeting. Otherwise, we're having a great Bible study on Wednesday nights. We're going through what we believe and why we believe it. So come out and be a part of that. God bless you guys.